I'm sure that there is not a lot of interesting things about The Sims. There's got to be a statistic about, like, girls who play The Sims and put people in the pool and remove the ladder. There's got to be, there's got to be like, a psychopathic statistic that comes think. from that. Did you ever do that? I don't think so. I don't think you could on the Xbox version. What we would do is, like, live a normal Sims life, but the second there's a fire... Suddenly, like an opportunity has arose, and you got to build a lot of walls real quick. Hmm. No, I was not a fan of that game. It had like a story mode. Well, you have to get like your life together and shit. I, I don't know. If I knew how to do that, I wouldn't. Yeah, if I knew how to do that, I wouldn't be playing Sims on the Xbox. I like it on console. Yeah, I know you get Sims mad at Sims is highly a PC game. Well, it's a, yeah, it's very click and drag, I suppose. Alright, well, are you ready? Ready as I'll ever be. Get ready for the next battle. Um, alright, ladies and future boys, welcome to the School for Wayward Nerds, the only podcast that knows Mortal Kombat got its X-ray attack ideas from a Tekken spin-off. My name yeah. is Toby DePola, and I'm joined by producer Kyle. I'm here! And we are about waist deep in a character named The Shadow. We are. Um... If you were here for the Hedgehog character, you're going to have to um, wait for that episode. We're talking about um, a guy. Hi, do you want to give a quick Nine. summary of who we've got on the table today? Um, back in old-timey comic books. Pre-Batman Superman, which is remarkable. A gentleman dressed up only as a shadow to solve crime... That he was kind of interested in, but not the other crime that was kind of not really that interesting. And he just likes to maniacally laugh at you. Hmm. And you can't tell me that that's a bad explanation, because it's true. Well, it is and isn't, because it comes down to the whole thing. It's like, there's too many different renditions of the character, because some of them don't even wear a costume. Exactly. I said he would wear something sometimes. Well... Well, we've covered um, some movies and some pulp magazines and some radio shows last week. Obviously, you should maybe pause this and check in on that one before you uh, continue on this episode. But for, but for now, we are going into the the pulp magazines with pictures, by which I mean comic books. Yay! Um, in the in nineteen forty, on the dot. He appeared in both kinds of comics, meaning normal comics, but also newspaper comic strips. Oh, like Garfield. Hmm. I cannot work out if the comic was a ri- had original ideas or not. It was it was long before crediting creators, and there's just not a lot of um. It's like that Archie problem we ran into when we were talking about the Casper movie, where um yeah it's pre it's pre credits, it's vague so. I didn't really want... I just didn't have the physical uh, abilities to go through every title of the original pulp magazines and then compare it to every title in the stories of the comics. Yeah. But up to date, I would assume there are adaptations of the pulps. Everything else has been so far. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if you've got that much of a back catalogue, then why wouldn't you use it? Yeah. Um, uh, the comic strip definitely was adapted from the pulps. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was the same as the radio show and some of the movies and stuff. Um, yeah, they really did make the most out of um, what was his name Walter B. Gibson's work. And like Anthology. we said last week, he did nearly three hundred 
like full size books. Yeah, like the man. The man had he he was what's the author that we went to the bookshop and they had like a whole row of just him. The James Pat Peterson. Patterson. Or is it Peter Jameson? James Patter Patterson. It's one of those um, crime writers that everyone's mum reads. Mm. One of those chaps. Um, the original comics were very of their time, looking like 40s comics. You know, everything in the Golden Age was very similar at first glance. Um, it was short tales of the shadow between the likes of Doc Savage, Iron Monroe, the astounding man, the hooded wasp, and his sidekick Jim Martin. These are just some of the examples I saw in some archives. None of those characters hold up. <laughs> They're very lame. You should take the time to Google the hooded wasp just to see that costume. Look, I'm all about brick frog. Mm-hmm. That's about where my loyalty ends. Um, so these ran for 101 issues and concluded in 1949. After that, we skip ahead a 15-year block. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to Archie releasing a series. You know, you know, Betty and Veronica, uh, the Sonic for a long time. Because he jumped around a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll we'll follow a bit of a, a bit of a tour around the comic book industry here. Which I mean, a lot of things that are this old kind of did venture around a little bit. Well, I know, the, like Batman and that didn't, but well, Batman sort of did because even in the sixties, the TV show was developed. For, you know, it was based on DC characters, Warner Brothers, um, airing on... ABC, not ABC. American ABC, I think. Was it originally made for ABC and then it ended up getting palmed off to NBC? Maybe. I don't remember the channel, because, but it was also developed by Fox before they were a whole production company that were just like mm, that's some true. setup. And that's why we didn't get versions of it until very recently. The rights were such a fucking shit show. Yeah, no one knew who owned it. Hmm. So, to an extent, Disney owns a Batman because of their Fox ownership. Yeah. I can't wait for Adam West Batman to appear in Avengers. They and just that, put it on Disney+. Plus. That's a fucked up thing they could if they wanted. And there's not really... I don't know how their rights are organized now, but I think they could. Probably poorly. Mm. Let's be honest, no one understands rights. Yeah. So we're up to Archie Comics. Um, mm-hmm. This version ran eight issues before concluding the Shadow's time under the imprint entirely. So, not long. It wouldn't be their last Shadow, though, of course, but, you know, you know, because of hedgehogs. Um, and it's very weird to see Lamont Blonde, for one thing. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Okay. Um, and the Shadow costume is just his normal suit and a blue cape. That's just lazy. Okay, let me keep going. Um, it got worse. Quickly in the run, the costume became more superhero-y. He wore a full blue bodysuit. Ew. Green cape. Why? Uh, green gloves and boots and underpants on the outside. Well, I mean, that's iconic superhero. A blue eye mask that also went down his cheeks. Had like a mutton chops sort of built in shape. So somewhat like blue... Um, what, what's the one from Blue Morpho? No, because he doesn't have the mustache. No, and this is the superhero bodysuit. This isn't like his suit. Yeah. I would argue Blue Morpho looks exactly like the Green Hornet. Hence True. the name. <laughs> Hence the name uh, knockoff. Actually, definitely. Because Blue Morpho is a superhero under the guise of villainy. 
which, mm-hmm. as you recall from his crossover with Adam West Batman, that's his gimmick. That is. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of what the Shadow's doing too. Like, he's purposely trying to look more maniacal than the villains. Yeah. So, yeah, th- that's what his costume looked like. How do you feel about that? No. He was dressed like a... Not here for it. No. Nah. He looks like if um, Captain Planet had a shitty boy sidekick. He looked like that. Um, this was written by Robert Bernstein with this atrocity uh, drawn by John Rosenberger. It was famous for being one of the biggest missteps of the comic book decade. Um, and, this, and this was Prime Silver Age, so this is like when Batman was falling off really hard. This is when he was a genie on that one cover. Um. And uh, speaking of DC properties, um, the later issues of this Shadow Run were done by Jerry Siegel, who created Superman and had completely oh, had the falling out with DC. Like a very like popular. Well, he did a few. Um. No time. Mine. Oh no, my notes are almost over. <laughs> Not really. I've... I've read this many. I've got three and a half pages to go. But you have to help. That's why I gave. That's why I put your books in front of you. We're not up to the books yet. I know, but I'm making sure you're prepped. Um, I don't want to know. When I get to 1986, you can start thumbing through this one because that's um. Weird because it's a Masters series from Dynamite, but it's just a chunk of the DC property that they didn't want to keep. They're like, Can we just like print it for free? And they're like, You know what? Fuck it. <laughs> sure, you can. Off you go. Are we still doing the What's Your Favorite Dynamite character? Oh, yeah. Fuck, I should fucking look into that because I've got a bunch of favorites. A lot of. I think they do a lot of good stuff. They never keep them running very long. Are you having a bit of a Google around? I think I have a bit of an answer. Can you write down 1090? But now I'm also Googling Boston. There's a lot. I'm going to run through like eight or nine selections there. I've got a sample platter. 1038. Where was I up to? Alright, um... Jerry Siegel having his, you know, DC falling out. And then did a few little bits and pieces here and there. I'm curious as to whether it was him or the other guy that did all, like, that hot fucking dominatrixy Betty Page art. We got, we'll have to have a rummager and find out, because that's under a secret pen name and shit. That's, that's, yeah. a, that's a fun little trip to go down, because it has the cuteness of Golden Age. But, like, spanking... <laughs> So Betty Page. And with that tangent, we need to make our way back to anything that we were talking about. We're up to the 70s now. Mm. We've had a big gap after Archie completely fucked the character. They really did. You have no idea. Like, it is goofy as shit. It looks... It, yeah. It sounds terrible. Yeah. Silver Age is weird in a sense that things either were, like, at their fucking worst or they were just absolutely revolutionising the character and just taking off in a way that will never be able to replicate. Yeah. Because for every um, for every one of those rainbow suits Batman had to wear to fight the um, the rainbow bad guy whose name I forget. It wasn't Crazy Court or some other dude. 
you know, for every one of those, you've got a Hal Jordan Green Lantern. Yeah. And a Barry Allen Flash and Marvel, <laughs> just in general, really. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, like, again, very... That was when the shake-up was. Like, yeah. everything went from war propaganda to space race propaganda. But, yeah. Um, yes, yeah, skipping forward to the 70s. Um, we've got the Shadow returning, this time under DC Comics. Um, in 1973, the fucking stud champion himself, Denny O'Neill, mm-hmm. and artist Mike Kaluta, um, oh, and also Frank Robbins and E.R. Cruz did a little bit as well. Um, they did 12 issues that remained true to the original Pulps, stayed in the 30s, kept it very noir crime, you know, like exactly what it needed to be, Yeah, which is very Denny O'Neill. Um, you might know him from the Green Lantern Green Arrow series that grounded both of them. Um, he was the one who put Nightwing in Bloodhaven. He did that fucking question run that we covered once on the podcast and kicks ass. He's a very good boy. He does a lot of that really good detective-y stuff. I, I like his Batman era too. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was the one of the people that helped salvage Batman after the fucking 60s stuff. Makes sense that he would partake in Shadow's Resurrection too. Yep, so they did these 12, and I would argue it's the best DC Shadow. Yeah. But it doesn't stop, though. So the next one is 1986, the exact year Frank Miller gave us Dark Knight Returns. Makes sense because this was the grim dark time for the Shadow. It was done by Howard uh, Chaikin, and it lasted a whole four issues. It was a modern day ultra violent because this was that era; everything had to be. Um, when <laughs> it's funny though, because when DC looked at it, they obviously couldn't work out what the issue was because in yeah, for in the next year, in 87, they went harder into the edgy 80s. The Shadow ran 19 issues with two annuals, and it was still modern day and still very violent. Um, we have some of it here, actually. I haven't read the Andrew Helfer and Bill... Or oh, what a Jewish name. Sienkiewicz. Sienkiewicz, I don't know. Um, yeah, I haven't really read it before, so I can't say much for the story, but the art sits somewhere between like the late great Tim Sale's you know, very angular stylized work, but it goes too far and it starts to look like that fucking Dark Knight Strikes Again Frank Miller stuff. Yeah. It reminds me of a few, like one of the runs of The Mask, but I don't remember which run. It has very interesting colouring. I don't like it. No, it's, yeah. It, It kept itself being weird and edgy, and once they made Shadow a cyborg, it was quickly cancelled and thrown away. How do you feel about that? Probably for the best. It's one of those it ain't broke so don't fuck with it kind of rules. Mm. You know, like the shadow works really well as this grim like prohibition era character. They try to modernize him by giving him a goofy superhero suit in Archie. Does not even close to work. They put him in the modern day and give him robot parts. It don't even come close to working. Yeah, I'm not here for it. He's like um He's like an old, like an old American muscle car. You know, the second you start adding modern parts and tweaking it, it ain't the same. But that's the thing. So you know my argument for nineties Batman mm. of there are the best Batman movies to date because it makes sense that a man would dress up as a bat mm. in that city. Well, it's not necessarily the best Batman so much; it's the best take on Gotham, which True. which equates the same. But. Yeah. 
shadow only works in that 30s, 40s timeline. And that's when it feels good, like... But then, because he's not, like, he's not someone that can live in a modern setting. Especially he now, because, like, be in that, if your superpower like, weird... is invisibility, everyone assumes it is specifically to go in the women's locker room. Mm. It's a pervert superpower. But, but back in the 30s, it was more of a... People didn't think that horribly But that's yet. the thing. He, he is a straight detective. Hmm. Like... Batman can kind of work in a modern setting. Because he's not always doing detective, he's doing other bullshit. He's- and he's high into technology and things like that. Shadow's not. Shadow's just like, we ah, use him, we see common him use some, sense. We see him use some gadgets um, in our next sort of uh, main chunk of this episode, but it's like the classic, basic, non-superpower superhero stuff. Like, you know, the little acid to melt cages and locks. You know, it's the... Suction cuppy boots that are, that are fucking big and bulky and stupid because it's the error of appropriate. But that he's an old timey true detective. Mm. They only suit certain time periods. I would say detective first, hero second. See, I don't even but, know how much of a hero he is. He's the scourge of progress. Because he's not City. like where Batman's out there. You know, I am the defender of every man. Shadow's like, I happen to be in the neighborhood, so I stopped by. Look. He's not a hero. Back to the um the mutual broadcasting network era, like the the radio drama run from last week. I listened to another one while I was doing yard work and he was like miserable. Mm. And he was just having Margot drive him around because they were looking for crimes to solve and he was bored out of his gourd. <laughs> She's like, shouldn't you be happy? Like, you've clearly done a good job. New York's, like, chilling. And he's like, ugh, it's not the same, man. I'm bored. <laughs> so I think there's some, like, compulsion to fight crime for him. Either that or he just doesn't know what to do with himself. <laughs> that just makes it sound like he needs a hobby. Yeah, he may. Stop building card houses or something, man. <laughs> Um, so, the last DC version, and I mean series, we're not going into, like, crossovers here, like the Shadow Batman ones and what have you. Um, yeah, the last version was 1989, and that was, uh, The Shadow Strikes. Um, Gerard Jones and Eduardo Barreto were like, what if we took all the things people liked about The Shadow and put them back in? Mm. For <laughs> if only... That's right, we're back in the 30s. Um, a few of the premises were adapted from the classic pulps, and wouldn't you know it, this version was the longest running the DC ever did. Mm. But isn't that remarkable? That they did the right thing and so it didn't fuck them over immediately? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? This series wouldn't last forever, though. It ended in 92, and in 93, um, Dynamite Comics took the reins. I feel like I've made a mistake. But that's okay. Okay. I'm trying to keep reading and see what happens. This could be fun, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yep, so in 93, Dynamite Comics took the reins. They did two miniseries, a Doc Savage crossover, and a movie adaptations. Yeah, see, it shouldn't be Dynamite. That's my mistake right there. And I'm going to jump really quickly to Wikipedia. 
edit this out or don't. It's my, it's my punishment for jumping ahead in my own notes in my script. Well, look, here here I go. Huh? I'm I'm checking out, you know, our homework question for possible for answers. Later. Yeah. I didn't know they owned things that they owned. Hmm. Yeah, Dynamite is... Look, I used to think of, like, Dark Horse as the guys that own all the other things because they did, like, Transformers and Star Wars. But no, that is nothing compared to the stuff that Dynamite normally do. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm nearly where I'm supposed to be. Fucking, it was Dark Horse. (laughs) Dark Horse. I'm changing my script so I know what I'm doing. In 93, Dark Horse Comics took the reins. Mm. There you go. That sounds more accurate. They did two miniseries, a Doc Savage crossover, and a movie adaptation over the two-year period. Do you think that might be why the shadow disappeared after that? Possibly. Because they clearly bought it around the time of the movie's, like, production's rumbling. Yeah. And, like, quickly after it came out, they sold him off again. Yeah. And we discussed last week how... That movie started off doing okay, and then fucking Forrest Gump and Lion King <laughs> popped off, and they didn't have a fucking chance in hell in the cinema. Look, it's it's up there with like Traffic Planet and stuff like that. If you you just didn't not a have bad a time. No, no, sorry, they had the worst possible fucking time, but it's not a bad movie. Y- yeah, yeah. So. You you went up you went up in a platform where there was no hope of you succeeding. Sometimes it's about location, it location, your... location. And they couldn't have picked, like, a shittier one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, we're doing a little superhero movie. It's like, well, guess what? The fucking Disney Renaissance. <laughs> right on top of them. Yeah. yeah good luck. Bad week. Bad so, week. yeah, I, I assume lackluster movie sales were part of why they didn't intend on keeping the character. And he didn't show up again from fucking 93 all the way to 2012. Jeez. That's when actually that's when Dynamite actually show up and my notes start to work again. Okay. So Dynamite took him in, finishing a frankly crazy amount of you pasta parcel. You could say that his career really blew up. What do you mean? Because he's with Dynamite. Oh, he's seen you. I think the only other character I've seen as bad as him, as far as past the brand parcel, is Elvira. Yeah. Who did some DC? Did some Marvel? Mostly the adaptation of the movie was Marvel. Uh, they did Claypool and then finishing the Dynamite as well. However. The home for abandoned character properties. Elvira likes to do things. So it's not surprising. She did the comic book industry. She sure did. She conquered it. But. Yep. So Dynamite put out collections of some of the older runs and they had a Garth Ennis um, series doing new stuff. Which I was like, I recognize that name. That's cool. That's the guy who did like the boys and shit. I don't know. I don't know. I can't imagine him doing it. The shadow, and it's not you know insane violence and swearing and the c word on every page. I I got to use our knowledge from the boys episode hmm. the other day because people were talking about how like the TV show is real intense. Yeah. And that, like, every, like, couple of episodes or seasons, they, like, top what they've done. And you're like, how are they going to top this again? Here I, was able, I, I was able to be like, you don't want to read the comic book if you think the TV show is intense. Yeah. We've heard from reliable sources that they um, calmed down the aeroplane thing. Mm-hmm. That's all we know. 
Just saying. Yeah. I was able to be like, oh, I have knowledge on this. Yeah. Um, the thing that does fucking really get me interested to try the Garth Ennis run is the Alex Ross covers. Of course. He, he is a good boy. Yep, so meanwhile, we have The Shadow Now, which tried modern times again. You know, David Liss and Colton Worley, instead of giving him cyborg buffs and bullshit, they sent him back to the Far East to rejuvenate himself. He went back to his temple and... He, he jumped in... Meditated for... I don't know. He may have Ra's al a little bit. I don't know, it just seems to be what they do. Yeah. Uh, and with the aid of Margot's great-granddaughter and Mavis, daughter of the first guy he saves in the original Pulps, Q reference, callback, um, he returns to battle with Shiwan Khan and his fuckery. Well, nice. Um, there is also The Shadow Year One by w- Matt Wagner and Wilfredo Torres. Um, this one has him and Margot joining together and going against a psychic named Dr. Zorn. Oh. But I'm usually a, a bit of a sucker for Year Ones because it grounds characters. Yeah. I like when... Look, it's weird. Like, I don't like. I'm not a big fan of origin stories, Mm. but I like year ones because it's like the getting comfy moment. And then I like them at their peak Arkham Asylum, etc. And fuck, it's probably because of the Arkham franchise because they're um, Arkham Origins. He's already Batman. I don't have to. I don't have to dick around with him training with um, you know, Qui Gon Jinn out in, in the place with the blue flowers and whatever the fuck happens. You know, he's already roughly there. Yeah. He, he knows what he's doing. He's still messing up, but, like, less. Yeah. Um, um, the other Matt Wagner work for, for Dynamite and Shadow was the death of Margot Lane. Um, that's his girlfriend that's not really her girlfriend. Yeah. It's a girl who is his friend, not his girlfriend. His friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane. Um, yeah, one of the comic renditions I felt compelled to try out, whether we do the podcast or not was the matt wagner written and drawn death of margot lane see well first binging the radio play i wondered just for like the sake of mental image if margot was blonde or brunette i um, should do so i google and one of the first things to pop up when you type in her name is the death of margot lane so i'm like oh no she don't make it she's toast mm. so that was the so that's the comic we are going to um focus on for a bit of a shadow example this week Every version of The Shadow has the Wonder Woman problem. With so many versions and so many tweaks and takes, it takes time to understand the respective rules. Um, firstly, this version is post-Khan. He is defeated and gone in this version. Um, a new villain called the Red Empress is you know, filling that power vacuum in the Chinatown sort of crime syndicate. And um, and this case is the one that begins the story. You know, going after this Red Empress guy. Mm. Um, Lamont begins at street level in the classic costume, and it quickly evolves into him like traveling all the way to China with Margot to try and locate the Empress. When that comes up dry as well, they cruise ship it back to America and get accosted by these henchmen on the deck. Sure, it's cool to see how merciless Lamont is willing to get in the face of shithead criminals. You know, sometimes you forget that other superheroes um, are fine with killing. <laughs> Um, and it also shows that the villains work out his secret identity, so that's um, intrigue. But what grabs me the most is that he disappears. Okay? Turning invisible and using his control of men's minds to trick one goon into killing the other and jumping overboard. <laughs> so that's important for us understanding the rules of this adaptation of The Shadow. 
So we've got a shadow who wears the costume, but also can do the invisibility stuff as well. Yeah. He has high levels of hypnotism. Very similar to the movie version, actually. Um, and also, he isn't wearing a fake face, which is different from the movie version. Um, which I always preferred, because, like, good luck working out the secret identity of a dude if he just doesn't look like the dude. But I think that's, like, if he can manipulate particles in order to become invisible, why wouldn't he be able to manipulate his body? I think it's just for the sake of the person reading that he looks like him. Yeah. But... But at the same time, yeah, I like. Like the, I have, I like I the have whole, like, no problem with the movie version because I'm like, yeah, he can make himself invisible. Of course, he can change the shape of his nose. He hypnotizes reality itself. Like, and because I figure, they didn't know what hypnotism was in the 30s. But and that's the thing, like, he has a scarf over the majority of his face, yeah, and a hat over what's left. But there's a big ass like witch nose, so, but, and but then you so look again, at and you look like, at um Lamont, and you're like, oh, it can't be him. He doesn't stuff. have. Yeah, you, you don't even look like that. The one like this that I fucking at first glance loved, but the second I thought about it was like, well, what the fuck? Um, is um, is a uh, Kathy Kane Batwoman? Mm. Kate Kane, sorry, because like her costume has a built-in like wig, so Batwoman's hair is like way longer than than Kane's, but they're both Joker fucking white for no reason. <laughs> And they're both naturally fire truck red hair. Yeah. It's a slightly longer on the suit, but like no humans look like that unless it's the Joker who's Batwoman all along. But he, you know what I mean? She isn't. She isn't pale. She is A four office paper pale. Nice. So it's like, yeah, that doesn't even fucking work anyway. I don't know why I thought the wig was a good idea. It just brings to attention how like clear as day her fucking face is. But it's fine. Whatever. Most of it's under a mask. It's fine. Yeah. Anyway, so so we're bait. So um, these criminals are baiting him with like big flashy crimes. They're not trying to be subtle about it. Yeah, they're not trying to be sneaky. They kidnap some heiress with a pet leopard and the shadow using some of his agents and informants. You know that we like. Um, tracks down where she would be. He plans things out well and um, like. It's clearly a trap, so he's not really dicking around with it. He has agents nearby. Mm. At the warehouse, he keeps Margot and the permanent cab driver, Mo Trevnitz. Darling. Yeah, the guy you like. I like Darling. And some other agents stationed nearby. Um, he goes in alone by, you know, he's, he's very prepared, which which I do like. It's, you know, the typical prep time thing. Mm. It's rare that I see a rich and highly trained vigilante use prep time, a large group of sidekicks, and gadgets to save the day. True. You know, ones that aren't Batman, anyway. Um, I do love, like, I brought up the, the fucking, the novelization adaptation yeah. earlier. I do love in that, there's this one moment where he explains himself to someone and they're like, oh, like Batman? He goes, who the hell's Batman? Because he's from the 30s. And they're like, oh, it's this like rich dude who, um, you know, by day is just a rich social but by night is a is a crime fighting vigilante protecting the streets of his city. And he's like, fuck that guy, he's just my thing. <laughs> that asshole stole my bit. Which that um Bob Kane has admitted is kind of exactly what happened. Yes. Um. So yeah, he gets in. Um, and I do love the detail that the. That the heiress is on like a leopard skin rug, and her pet is now gone. 
As happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, look, it's a trap. Um, he gets caged up, and the gang take the girl away and bring a barrel of TNT in its in her place. Um, the shadow uses that acid I mentioned to break out and escape in the nick of time. But the trouble with suspense is the fear and worry that onlookers may feel. Because some of the gang members who left earlier are trying to catch um, Shrev's cab out of there. Yeah. And he's, he doesn't he obviously doesn't want to leave. <laughs> so he's like, I'm on retainer and because they're mobsters, they're like, you can't talk to me like that. And he's like, fuck off. And, you know, like a, a scuffle breaks out immediately. Doesn't offer him a sandwich? No, he doesn't offer him a fucking empty sandwich, Kyle. <laughs> God. If he had a wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah, so um, fire breaks out, Margot shoots them, decides things are getting very tense, and she races in to save Lamont. Nice. And he gets to um to mow um, as the building blows the hell up. Good and he's time. like, where's Margot? And he's like, um, she, in there. she went in looking for you. So, so, oh no, the death of Margot Lane. The title of the book. Mm. Um, and like... He goes to the morgue to see, you know, the case. And <laughs> that fucking table is, like, rudely, rudely built. Like, this is what's on the slab. Don't present it to him like that, rude. Um, so, yeah, how do you feel about that? Exploded. I mean, it was gonna happen. Yep. And I like him, I like seeing the shadow at this frayed end. Um, questioning the Italian mob like that. See, much like in Some Like It Hot, as you recall, it's that very typical smug, I don't know what you're talking about, kind of like mob mentality when he's like... Yeah. You know, when he's asking about Red Empress, because he's like, now I really want to get to the fucking bottom of this. I'm mad. Yeah. I'm mad as hell. I'm fucking... I'm I'm post-Jason Todd Batman right now. I'm pissed. Oh, no. Yeah. So so this mobster's like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. He just like... Just shoves him against the wall and puts the barrel of his gun, like, straight into this dude's head. Yeah. And he's already killed, like, everyone else in the room. <laughs> like, he's so mad. And I just, I love his, the way he's, he's pissed, but he still talks like the shadow. Mm. So he's like, I haven't the time or the patience for this chicanery. <laughs> Which is old time he talk for nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's also on a rush, but, you know, trying to play it cool while talking to non-shadow people like when he's talking to that commissioner in Coldwell Club um that's another good scene as well like if if we are recommending this tale I'm gonna I'm gonna like you know rumble around a little bit here I'm gonna skip over a lot of it because mm-hmm. I, I would say this was some of the best stuff in our research yeah the 94 movie ended up being better than I thought but this was I actually had expectations going into this one and it was still pretty good so look I the movies. Yeah, I had fun with it. Um, yeah, I also enjoy seeing some of his agents at work during this sort of crackdown on things. Because we haven't seen a lot of that in any of my research so far. No, not really. We see old darling cruising around in the fucking cab, but that's like it. Yeah. So we've got Harry, Jericho, and and Myra. They have good chemistry as they um sort of infiltrate um some stuff in Chinatown. Yeah, I like, I like those guys, and the four of them together break up an opium ring, sort of by accident, because it has nothing to do with Red Empress, so they kind of followed a, the lead wrong. 
so to speak. Kind of. Yeah, and they start to worry about the Shadow's mental state when he, like, pulls a gun on a child. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a kid smuggling opium, so fuck him, I guess. Yeah, he's not doing the right thing. No, he's not doing the right thing. But, yeah, the Shadow's mad as hell. Yeah. So while visiting another agent, a psychologist of sorts, he works out that the Red Empress is at sea. Um... She's on the International Waters borderline. I mean, I've heard that that's a great place to hang out if you're doing the wrong If you're doing thing. crimes, yeah. So with another We're age... We're trying to get married. This one fucking actually reminded me of something so stupid. But he goes to another agent who, like, biplanes quietly over the top so he can parachute in. And if I recall my studies of episode one of Kim Possible... A pilot owed her a favour too. Almost exactly the same situation. I'm like, fuck. Every time Kim Possible gets, like, chaperoned somewhere, it's just another agent. Yeah. So so I'm like, oh, great. I've started comparing the shadow to Kim Possible like it was a good thing. Nah. But yeah, he parachutes in and sure enough finds who he's looking for. Um, See, this this was a revenge mission. Not just for the shadow, though. Ah, see. For, it's one for the Red Empress as well. Who, um, whose fucking name? I'm not even going to try here. Uh, Zukarnam? Z-H-U? I don't know Chinese dialects at the best of times. But she's the daughter of Shiwan Khan. Oh, oh, what a twist. Especially for me being, like, a sort of new coming into this and not really having met the guy in the first place. I I saw her first. Because I read this before we watched the movie. Mm. So this woman has rebuilt her father's empire and far exceeded it, mostly in Asia and away from his old scourge against the Western world and all their fucking, whatever it is, whatever it is, Americans in barbecues. What were they doing in the 30s? Prohibition, I guess. Mostly. Did they have fallout shelters yet or was that the 40s, 50s? I don't know the Cold War timeline here. I think that's close to like 50, 60. Okay. Well, you don't like them. Okay. Because, yeah, yeah, you remember that from the movie. He's like, well, yeah, my it's ancestor conquered, conquered Asia, so I'm just going to come fuck up the Western world now, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she she wasn't interested in that weird vendetta against white people. She was interested in running a fucking empire, so she stayed in China for the most part. But she would return for revenge, of course. Mm. The Shadow killed her father, and there needs to be blood returned. Um... And when I say the Shadow, she is referring to him as Lamont Granston or Henry Arnold or Ken Allard. Isn't that something? We'll come back around to those names. For now, though, with her gold-clawed hand, she beckons in her new pet, Margot. Sorry, I was beckoning. I forgot for a second we're on an audio podcast. She's been brainwashed with drugs and abuse like an MK Ultra patient. Nice. Um, Margot has become a slave to the Red Empress. Turns out the bones in the morgue were that heiress who, you know, was dragged out by the goons but didn't make it out in time, apparently. Oopsie daisies. Um, so she attacks the Shadow, who tries to reason with her and gets a sword in his shoulder for, you know, his mercy. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, snap out of it, and she just stabs him. <laughs> um, Happens. Yeah. 
Um, he then like flashbangs her and then knocks her unconscious before fighting some more guards. One is thrown like through a fire pit and a coal spill out, starting a fire when he lands on the big red curtains in the throne room that this is all taking place in. Mm-hmm. Um, he kills more henchmen types until the Empress picks up a woozy Margo. Which you would be. She's, you know, it's the typical one, one fucking more move and she gets her throat slashed by those like claw <laughs> finger rings that she's got. Margot's eyes meet the shadows, and he hypnotizes her into elbowing um, Carnum, or the Empress, sorry. As the, as the impact shoves her back, the shadow fires his gun, blowing the fucking fingers straight off her hand. How you feel about that? Yeah, you don't really, like, see too much. Hmm. How do you feel about, like, the art in general? It's so... I, I actually it's so really like pretty. the art, it's, yeah. It's almost black and white, it's almost sepia tone, it keeps all of its reds. So it's it's like it's like a slightly more coloured inversion of all the Arkham City mm. promotional art. So um, using his hat and cloak to distract the guards, you know they they're like, oh, there he is, and they run over. It's just his outfit on a fucking just just on a stick. Um, he escapes with Margot and signals the plane to scoop him back up. Uh, the next scene, he is with a doctor different from the one from earlier, which shows how far his reach is, which is cool. Um. And the thing that I like in a Batman, you know, I, I like when he's got people. Yeah. You know, it's not just the Lucius Fox, but, you know, you also got to have your Leslie Tompkins and your Harold. Anyway, this doctor recommends psychiatric help, but Lamont wants to keep it in-house to know you hide a lot of information all of a sudden. So he does. Weeks for Margot spent just waking up in the morning and he rummages around using his hypnosis. Same as the Empress did, really. Um, so she's a bit... Once she clears up, she's not really happy that that's what happened. Um, yep, yeah, so she leaves. Which is a bit abrupt, but her character in this version does have a bit of a emotional beat where she's kind of over being dragged around and yet kept at arm's length at all times. Which all makes sense, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah, how do, you, how do you feel about the, the story there, Kyle? I like it. The names she mentioned were callbacks. Yeah, I, li- I like the art, sorry. Yeah. I, like the art. I feel like um, Margot ditching because he used hypnosis to try and fix her was a little weird. But, you know, there's obviously deadlines to be met and I feel like it was a little abrupt, but overall the rest was very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, the colouring is very, really snazzy. I like seeing, you get a lot in it. A lot of, like, different, not different versions of the shadow, but you see them in a lot of different, um, wheelhouses, maybe? Maybe that's the word I'm looking for? Yes. It's versatile. We see him, like, frayed and chaotic. We see him violent. We also see him doing his thing. We see him wearing his tuxedo, doing the Mott Cranston-style stuff. Yeah, I, I think it's fun. Um, but the names that the Red Empress mentioned, Kent, um, Henry, the other ones, mm. the names she mentioned are callbacks. See, I really like Lamont Cranston, the version of him having the quote-unquote interest in criminal psychology so the cops let him hang around is just kind of charming. Yeah. But what if that's not his original identity, Kyle? What if it was never him at all? That's crazy. Wasn't hypothetical either. No, because they change him a lot. 
Remember how I compared his mythology to Wonder Woman's? Yeah. Being constantly on it. Made out of clay and struck by lightning. But we have sometimes Greek gods. No, I, I, I agree. Like, maybe keep your origins roughly. <laughs> yeah, keep them tectonic plates kind of solid, if you could. Um, But yeah, so it's we've done a little bit of Wonder Woman. It's mm. time for us to do a little Moon Knight. Okay. Normally, at the School for Wayward Nerds, we wouldn't wait until the end of a two-part episode to go into Origins, but because the character has so many takes and not necessarily inconsistencies, but there are many a version. Yes. All right. Not every shadow is the last son of Krypton, so to speak. True. When adapting the character to the 1937 radio drama, they simplified the hell out of Shadow. Lamont trained in his secret arts in the Far East and came home and did Shadow shit. Simple syrup. As you do. That's all you need. And that's because that's... My first, I think that's my preference. Yeah. Meanwhile, the same year, a more intricate tale was unfolding. The pulp magazines had been running since 1931, but in 1937, they put out a, an, an issue called The Shadow Unmasks. They had hinted up to this point that he was a French aviator in World War One, but now he was revealed to be Kent Allard, or the Dark Eagle, as he was known in the Air Force. After the war, Kent wasn't done fighting evil and injustice. Um, but the war was over, so he needed a new avenue to do that. He takes his plane, crashes it in Guatemala. 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 I always struggle with that one. Um, it's got more letters than you think it should. And yeah. You're like, hang on a second. Yep, and he fakes his death. Mm-hmm. While there, he meets a Zinka tribe. And then, I don't know, he doesn't learn to become invisible or nothing in this version. He goes back to America using a few aliases and meets a guy named Lamont Cranston. That's right, different dude. Similar enough face and build, so Kent Allard pulls a Lindsay Lohan's parent trap while Lamont goes on holidays. Kent moves in and continues Lamont's life. Does Lamont agree to this? Sort of. This deal was struck up because Kent was just going to steal the man's identity regardless, and this way Lamont still has some right to existing. Right. It's, <laughs> right. Right. So, so obviously I'm taking preference to the radio version, but how do you feel? Confused. Right. Um, he moves into the, yeah, some of the other aliases. Uh, he uses Henry Arnold. It's not Arnold because it's spelled different, but Arnard. He is a businessman of some description. Um, he also exists, like like Lamont. He's just another dude that he's just kind of like moving in and taking over the guy's life. <laughs> um, there's an old guy named Isaac Twambly, and unfortunately for me, trying to praise this character in the you know in the 2020s, a mentally challenged janitor named Fritz who works at the police station, giving him access to whatever evidence and clues they may have. But he is doing it the same way Cartman got into the Special Olympics in South Park. Problems. Lots and lots of problems. Really really makes me prefer the radio version even more. Me. It's like, are you impersonating anyone who's uh, differently abled? And he's like, no. And I say, fucking thumbs up to you, champ. You the, are the bar currently got, winning. Yeah. <laughs> the compar- the bar in this comparison has been lowered on one of the sites. 
For them early years in the pulps, they left his character ambiguous, sometimes claiming his face wasn't even a real face. Some villains also claimed he had no face of his own. Um, I definitely prefer the simplicity of the radio drama take. I like Lamont just cruising on into crime scenes and having a bit of a look because he's kind of interested. Yeah. Um, neither takes really have a moment of decision, though. There's no parents gunned down in an alley about this. There's no Uncle Ben. Yeah. Lamont just seems happy doing what he does. You know, good for him. Um, you know, no matter what version you may prefer, I will say this. The Shadow has had a long history surviving the era of pulp mags and radio dramas, outliving his peers and inspiring some of the biggest superheroes the world will ever know. In one form or another, the shadow is never gone. No. He is inescapable, like the criminal's guilty conscience, always lurking in the very shadows he is named for. Boom, boom, boom. I will look forward to the next time he reveals himself. It's been a while. like five years since the last I'm done my thing. Yeah. But what, what about you? What do you think? Um, I don't think he's... I don't think we're done. I just don't think we've had anything in a hot minute. Yeah. I mean, there was like 15-year gaps between like every version of this. Exactly. And I think he's kind of... Like, the character lends itself to that. Because like, if it was like Batman where it's constant all the time, you'd get done with it relatively quickly. Yeah. For every good issue of Detective, there's like... Batman, and then you got Legends of the Dark Knight, and then you have The Dark Knight, and then you have whatever the Gotham, whatever the future state Batman is, um, and then there's Robin, Nightwing, uh, Batgirls, uh, exactly, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you don't have to worry about being oversaturated with the shadow. And the thing is, like, if you're doing him right and keeping him set in that kind of time period, you have to take a break, because otherwise... I don't mind it. I listen to his adventures every week. I know. Because <laughs> you're the kind of kid that once you find something you like, you obsess over it. Yeah. No, this list of current Batman titles hasn't been updated in like 11 years, so that's a bad example. Anyway, um, do you have any final thoughts? Did you have a favorite? Uh, what's your ideal version of the shadow with all the different preferences and takes and, and choices I, of the I character? I don't think that I've played with it enough to make a pick. Well, mentally, how do you feel? Do you like? I think I like. Um, from what I can tell, I think I like the death of Margot Lane version because it has all the good things about the Alec Baldwin movie but it I, it doesn't seem to have him gain his wealth in a in a like a weird opium Tibetan den. opium den what are you talking about this this great that's your favorite bit oh <laughs> it was a real weird start to the film yeah it would have been better if he just turned up on the bridge yeah you could just skip that stuff if you want like you know how I have this thing how? for like TV shows where I'm like, oh, I, I cut it off in the last five minutes. You want to do the opposite? Yeah, I, I cut this off in the first five minutes, but then I come back to it. As a Disney person, Kyle, okay. you may recall that there was the Finding Nemo DVD that had two different play movie options, one with the intro and one that skips over the death of Nemo's mum and just starts with him going to school. Oh, you didn't know that? There's, no. Yeah, there's two, there's um, 
two different versions depending on how old your child is and what you want to show them. Okay. I'm pretty sure my version has that, yeah. Weird. Yeah. Um, we need one of those for the Alec Baldwin shadow that <laughs> just skips over that shit. Like, the only thing Although that would it make, make the, knife, is the knife. Yeah, the dagger showing up would make absolutely no sense. Yeah. But you could just add, like, a bit of of dubbed-in dialogue. It's like, holy shit, that's the knife from where I trained in my, yeah. in my secret arts. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's my preference is where's the costume for the, for the iconic to strike fear into the hearts of criminals, you know, like Batman. Um, but can also do the invisibility stuff because fuck it, why not? Um, the one problem I did have with that version of the shadow is the ring. We discussed last week. I really like the ring. ring. No, no, I like it in that version, but I mean in this. Yeah. In which he seems to use it to hypnotize people sometimes. But as you saw when he shoots Red Empress, that he can also just do that with direct eyesight. So what the fuck's the point of the ring? What if you can't make direct eyesight? What if, what if they're wearing sunglasses? What if they have no eyeballs? What's the difference between me looking at something and just pointing my hand at it? Any of the same obstacles are the same. You, you know, like it's nothing. I tried real hard just there. I know, but... You've let me down. You've let me down real but bad. It's, it's, if he has to look at the ring or look at your face, what's the difference? So... I, I would, I would um cherry pick between those two versions, but I do, at, at, at um, without changing anything, I like the radio version. Doesn't wear the costume, but Lamont and Margot just seem to like have a good time goofing around, and then he goes invisible and starts doing the voice, and he becomes a sociopath who's willing to kill any hoodlum to clean up his city. Yeah. He um, yeah, he's he's got some two faced vibes because he's just. Just coasting until something happens and then you're fucked. <laughs> fucked, mate. Yeah. Alright. So, um, how do you feel about that? Good? Yeah. He has to be Marga. He has to be Lamont, though. I don't need him just moving into a guy's house and being like, I'm you now, get out. <laughs> it's fucking, it's ridiculous. Origins in the 30s. Um... So you want to jump into our homework? Sure. Um, because these notes um, mention characters being adopted by Dynamite like multiple times because of the Elvira as well as the Shadow, um, I wondered what your favorite um, thing they have is, if that makes sense. Like what um, what <laughs> what pound animal have they like salvaged that it you appreciate them doing? It is hilarious that you bring that up. Do they own pound puppies? No, oh, they <laughs> own the adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters! I can't even fathom what that is. Is it just tangent? Ninja, Ninja Turtles, but hamsters! Have you seen this complete tangent? Welcome to welcome to free period corner right in the middle of the episode here. So there's an image circling online at the minute on the social medias where Someone has drawn the Uzumaki moment with the eye going into the spiral from Junji Ito mm. with Hank Hill and Bobby Hill of King of the Hill fame. But the part that strikes me the most is, like, the detail that the person that, like, drew it and posted it is the guy who drew, like, the Ninja Turtles. Nice. It's like, there's too many things happening here. Like, of all the people to post weird fan art of King of the Hill Japanese horror, it's the, it's the Ninja Turtle guy. Yeah, yeah. 
had to do something. Yeah. So is that your favourite uh, dynamite property? No, I just, just you were like count puppies, and I was like, what? Do I have a comic for you? There's a picture of Anne Frank on the Google search by today. Yeah, I think it's for Dave. Okay. Um, what's what's one of yours? Oh, so, like my problem is that like anything that isn't DC, I seem to find in Dynamite, unless it's Zombie Tramp. That's like the one exception. So you're saying? And the more like annoyingly tedious all these Batman titles are getting, the more I'm gravitating to the simplicity and small story arc structure yeah. of the Dynamite books. Um, they've been doing the Elvira stuff. I'm really excited for Vampire Vampirella Year One, mm-hmm. just to get a bit of an idea because she's a bit of a mess character as well. Oh yeah, because you know existed for so. Long. I like that she's an alien. I like that she just completely stole Superman's thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so fine with that. That's great. What vampires? Which, yeah. What, what's her planet called? Like Drakion or something? Something weird like yeah. that. Yeah, a lot of the Alvira books. Um, Betty Page, I read a lot of that weird espionage shit. Um, my f- uh, Draculon. I was pretty... Is that what I said? No. Oh, fuck, I was close. You um, said Drac... Dra- something else. I think I added one more. One more vowel. Uh, am I, gonna, I might sneeze, but... Okay, there it is. I think my favourite um, version, and I think we've spoken about it before, is their version of Betty Boop. Mm-hmm. Because I I really appreciated that they took so much of the, you know, the spur of the moment cartoons that she came from, the Flasher stuff. Yeah. And tried to, tried to like, fan theory out a continuity for it. Yeah. Like... They don't just doing a will they won't. They try to like. Yeah, like doing the will they won't. They love relationship with her and Bimbo. Is for some reason a stroke of genius to me. Yeah, like her grandpa's there, the fucking clown whose name I can't remember. Um, but yeah, it it went out of its way to take a lot of like the old cartoons and really build a world out of it. Mm. And I feel like they did a better job than whatever's going on with that Cuphead animated series. I didn't enjoy that. No. Um, If I had to pick one, I would say that as a run, but, you know, I do tend to enjoy a lot of the stuff they put out. Well, they've done, like, Evil Dead and everything as well. I don't know. I I quite like them in Dark Horse. You're a big Mars Attacks guy, maybe? I just feel like they don't have as much attention on them, so they can do more. Yeah. And they kind of, like, it's put them in a position where they have to do more. So they do. Yeah. I don't, I know that doesn't, like, you've got to think about it to make it make the senses. But that's where I'm at. Yeah, they, they do some, um, yeah, I like the, I like the treatments you get. And frankly, because it's all short story arc structure, if you don't like it, in six months, there's going to be a different version. But, like, yeah. at least they give stuff the chance to finish. Yeah, they give it a go. They don't just, like, cancel it and it never ends. They don't cancel it the minute he gets sweet cyborg parts. <laughs> they, they let things kind of, like, peter out how they have to. I don't exactly. I think All they, right. I think they get... I think they structure books on story arc length. Yeah. You know, so you you go and you got there. 
what's the same as what like Disney Plus are doing with their stuff at the moment, where they're like, it's six episodes. Yeah. That's that's it. But then we'll come back again and we'll give you a different. Yeah, six but if episodes. you do a good job, you can have some more. Uh, one of my favorite, mm, like Moon Knight. One of my favorite issues, but doesn't really um shine them in a great light. Was that one issue of Betty Page where none of the land, none of the um backgrounds have been done properly? Yeah, <laughs> that was that was charming. That was cute. They messed up. They oh man, that's funny. They messed up real hard. But I've seen DC do that shit. There's an issue of Nightwing that has the same issue. Wayne Enterprises is just written in grey lead across like a big flat piece of cement on the building <laughs> because they didn't like put the actual sign on it. Yeah, that's fine. I like a good goof now and then. Shows that you're paying attention as a reader that you're catching it. That's right. I've probably read past like millions and not noticed. But um, yeah. Do you have any final thoughts? Um, there's enough there that if you can't find something that's entertaining, you're the problem. Okay. Yeah, if you don't like one version, there's like a dozen others. Yep. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening to us finish up our basics of Shadow. Uh, I've been your host, Toby DePolo. I've been joined by um, producer Kyle. I've been present. I've I've ran out of people to talk about. So remember to rate, review, subscribe. And remember, kids, the seeds of crime bear bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. That's what he says the at the end of his radio show. Yeah. The shadow knows. And then he does that laugh. I can't do it. It's because he doesn't fucking laugh like Peter Griffin. The shadow knows. <laughs> On his way out. <laughs> Fuck it. No, it's more of like a... I can't. All my, all my evil laughs turn into witch laughs. Or the Joker. I have a natural cackle, so I can't do this. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Um, buckle up, because there'll be more stuff next week. <laughs> Goodbye. Have a good one.